Welcome to Everyday Entrepreneurs Everywhere with your host, Chris Parker. And welcome to Everyday Entrepreneurs Everywhere. This is Chris Parker, and I have Pedro Lopez-Sela coming in from Mexico City. And we connected at the openexo.com community, the exponential innovator community that's really around the world. And I am a bit at a loss for words on how to introduce him because he has so many degrees and he's involved in so many things in so many places. Um, I'm not even going to try, but it's all about innovation and, and really, uh, I guess, I think even pushing humanity forward. So, um, Pedro, welcome, welcome, welcome. Can you please introduce what, what do you do and, and really, really focus on why do you do what you do? Uh, thank you for having me, Chris, by the way. This is very exciting for me. Um, that's a very hard question. And, mm-hmm. and uh, strangely, uh, when, when I ask it to myself, I get a different question every day. Uh, but I would say that um, I, I come from a family that has been around impact forever. And uh, since I was a child, we were always thinking about giving back. It was an important part of our lives. And that, that meant a lot, especially when, when, when I started growing up. Uh, right now, I have uh, the opportunity, I guess, to, to move humanity forward. I, I work a lot on doing projects that mean an impact and that uh, are aimed at uh, getting the, the world to a better place than it was given to me. And uh, in that arena or that area, uh, what I found is that innovation is a very powerful tool, as well as entrepreneurship, to, to make that change happen. So mm-hmm. I would say that I focus on impact, but I use mm-hmm. innovation as a tool. Nice. And, and if, and if, you don't mind, let me, let me loop back and, and you want to leave the world a better place than you found it, I think is what, what you just said. Yeah. Why is that mm-hmm. important to you? Because there's, there's many people in humanity who actually don't care about that, I think, based on what I observe. Um, but wh- wh- why is that a, a key motivator and a direction in your life? I really don't know. Okay. Uh, but it has, been a, it has been a driver for mm-hmm. more than 40 years. So uh, I just take it as a given. It's just part of me. I, okay. Well, if it's it's sort of your internal motivation and your internal mm-hmm. spirit, and if you're connected with that, then uh, maybe that's even the most powerful thing. So, um, no, beautiful. And uh, the different initiatives you're you're involved in, you know, with OpenEXO, which is a you know the open community for exponential you know transformation thinkers and doers. Um, how does that connect back to your other initiatives like, like bold labs and other, other, I, I looked up some Santander X, um, you know, you're, you're involved in, in looks like incubators or, or accelerators to help people make an impact. How does that all come yeah. together? So the, the story, cause um, one of the things is that I'm hyperactive and the other thing about me is that I don't know how to say no. So the combination of those, uh, has been a lot of fun to tell yeah. you the truth. Um, basically, what happened is that um, I started doing a, a philanthropy actions with friends mm-hmm. a, or, or social responsibility or however you want to call it many years ago. And about 20 years ago in 2000, uh, we got together because uh, the question was, how can we make it 
systemic because it was just like an effort that we made every other month or so and uh, we were not really achieving impact it was it was fun uh, it felt nice uh, but it was uh, too sporadic so we needed something that would transcend a bit more and uh, we ended up deciding to create a foundation and it was interesting because we had no idea about what kind of foundation we wanted and it took us about a year and a half to figure it out uh, we were uh, very close to opening a, a foundation on different causes uh, but we understood that most of them were already being taken care of either good or not that good but but somebody was was there doing something and we ended up creating this thing called fomento geek it's like mm -hmm. promoting geekness, mm -hmm. basically. Uh, and uh, we ended up training uh, kids uh, that were from uh, poor communities that had coding skills so that they could mm -hmm. uh, first self-employ and then develop SMEs. Uh, and that has been basically my journey because that, that was how I discovered that uh, both innovation and entrepreneurship were very powerful tools for change. Uh, we ended up, uh, as far as we know, some guys said that we were the first e-learning in the world because we started giving lectures through ICQ. I mean, this was a long time ago. Wow. Uh, so that was by text then? No, well, by voice. Uh, okay. But it was almost like texting because it yeah. was so slow. Uh, and uh, we started that in 2000, and then after that, we started creating an ecosystem. Uh, we didn't have the names at the time, but it's what now we call incubator, accelerator, soft landing, and all that very uh, lingo, Silicon Valley names, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, we had five offices in Mexico. We opened one in Tokyo, one in Silicon Valley, one in Vancouver. Uh, and it just blew. I mean, I, we, we had no expectation of that. It was a non-for-profit that was founded by us uh, and funded by us. And we were just kids at the time. We had mm -hmm. like 25 or something. What ended up happening was basically that the vertical of IT just disappeared and it became the platform of new organizations. And because some of us were into other size of other areas of technology, myself, I studied biotech, for example. We ended up working with people from other areas different than IT. Mm -hmm. And that basically meant that we started working with scientists in order to develop ventures. And because, especially in the case of the U.S., we were a, a non-for-profit founded by Mexicans two blocks away from the McLaren agency in Palo Alto, California. That was pretty weird. So uh, mm. somebody in, in Washington just summoned us and we went there and started talking to them about what we were doing. Uh, and that ended up becoming a very, uh, a very interesting journey where we ended up working with the Department of Commerce and the National Science Foundation and the Department of State. Uh, because we understood that when you're able to change the mindset of a person through entrepreneurship and innovation, then they can change their environment and then they can also become ambassadors of that with their communities. And I guess that in, in that sense, OpenEXO is a very powerful tool for that because it's a very uh, specialized way to see the world. Mm-hmm.
And, and you mentioned not-for-profit a number of times. Um, mm-hmm. You know, to, to use another, uh, you know, a business term, what's the business model behind it? I mean, I mean how does it sustain and grow? Because I, I see it's been started in 2005 and uh, it's still going. Um, yeah. The, the Fomento Geek, is it, how does it sustain itself? Is there, is there? We ended up understanding that we were really good at creating ventures and training people. So we created these other things around it that provide the services to people that can pay for that, such as mm-hmm. Bold Labs or Canoe. Mm-hmm. And then with those other organizations, we bring in money to Fomento Geek. Oh, no. okay. And, and if, we, if we go down to you know, the Fomento Geek path a little bit more, um, yeah. who's the dream participant or the, the dream student? That, that you would look for to give all these superpowers to? How, would that, how, did that, how did that work? So uh, the, the process that we have in place right now is that we uh, search for people that have already some kind of skill based on science, mm-hmm. uh, but that they do not have the resources or the network to make it happen. Mm. And usually that also comes with people that do not have uh, the skills uh, or the competencies in order to to develop a a venture from scratch. So uh, we search with people that have uh, those uh, qualities. And the other thing that we also search for, and, and actually that's probably the most important one, is that they they need to be big thinkers or at least want mm-hmm. to, uh, and they need to to have a special need to change the world. So if they have that kind of heart and that kind of mindset and, and that kind of skills, we we're ready to help them. So just unpack it a bit more. So you find these people, or or, yeah. or do they apply to you? It. Both both ways, uh, and and uh, we we work with people from from basically uh, Europe, America, and Asia. Uh, we haven't gotten into Africa yet. I, I'd love that, uh, by the mm. way. And because uh, we're we're actually just uh, one of the things that we want to do, I would say, is is work in emerging economies, and just uh, change the way it works today Uh, Mm. we think that there's a lot of talent in 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 those countries Uh, we believe that the world would benefit from them and uh, we're just trying to give them a little push so Mm. that they can do what they want to do yeah um my view i'm curious what your opinion is my view being you know near and affiliated with some different accelerators and incubators is Oftentimes, there's a, there's a whole crowd of people who are sort of incubator junkies that they yeah. just, that's their, you know, it's the, the, their, mm-hmm. their, their hobby. Specialty. Their specialty <laughs> is just being incubated. Um, yeah. But for some reason, never quite spread their wings. And, yeah. um, and therefore, there can be quite some waste. And yeah. uh, what I've also, you know, talking to other coaches, um, some people I, I spoke to, they said they will never work with true startups again because startups are like puppies and all they're after is funding and um you know so that, you know again it's maybe black and white but mm-hmm. how do you sift through the noise to find the people that 
really have the capability and the ambition? Because because that, that's that's a that's great not easy. Question. That's not easy. Yeah, I I would even say that it's a, a bit of magic, a bit of alchemy, and some kind of luck. Because uh, you you might have the methodology mm. and all that stuff yeah. in place, but uh, it's very complicated. So let me mm. give you an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, when COVID started, we have an office in China uh, for one of the ventures that we have, uh, an innovation bridge between emerging economies and, and uh, Asian venture capital and, and uh, research centers. So uh, we, we saw that it was coming big by December, probably. Uh, we started doing different things uh, in different places. Uh, I myself uh, participated in, in different hackathons. And then uh, after that, what we, we understood, it was, this is probably around May, uh, we understood that a lot of people were doing hackathons to develop uh, masks and things uh, very basic in order to face COVID-19. And then the other mm-hmm. thing was that after working uh, two or three weeks getting people in and convincing coaches and everything, uh, the end of the process was basically turning on your camera and giving yourself a big round of applause, right? Mm. Uh, and uh, I, I, even though I love to dream mm. and think and discuss and all that stuff, I do need execution and I do need tangible things. So we started talking to different friends uh, and we created uh, a process that is now called Company Builder Transferencia P, which is basically a program for company building. Uh, so we've been doing those for almost 10 years. We've had 47 editions so far, uh, but always uh, those have been uh, uh, put in place with help of local governments or international organizations or development banks. Uh, this time, however, nobody had money. There was no leadership. Everyone was very confused, uh, or everyone is still a mm-hmm. bit confused. And what we ended up uh, defining was that uh, we could either just watch Netflix or do something. And mm-hmm. we created this program with no money. Uh, we started just going on social media, asking for people for people's help, uh, both coaches or instructors or mentors as a teaching team, uh, pro bono work, and also the teams that wanted to develop uh, exponential solutions for the for the new world. And uh, after that, we went to this thing called Pacific Alliance, which is kind of like mm-hmm. a joint venture uh, of the governments of Mexico, Colombia, Peru, and Chile, and they're being supported by the Inter-American Development Bank. Um, and we basically told them we're doing this exercise. We're going to support the teams at the beginning. And then we need you guys to catch the teams and, and keep on moving them forward. Cause in there, they have a network of angel in the investors. They have a network of accelerators and they have a network of tech transfer offices. Uh, so long story short, we were aiming at maybe five teams per country, maybe 15 uh, guys in the teaching team and the response was overwhelming long story short on July 15 we uh, ended up starting a process with 186 teams mm. from the four countries and a teaching team of 300 people wow and we're running it right now with them uh, so going back to your question the thing is that 
uh, at first you uh, for me at least it's very difficult to understand uh, who's going to be able to thrive uh, there's a lot of stuff going around yeah. it has yeah. to do with the entrepreneur the problem they're trying to solve uh, the capabilities and it also has to do i i think uh, with the ecosystem there are uh, some ecosystems that are very focused mm. on on venture capital and and getting funding and investors uh, and others uh, are more focused on traction uh, usually because there is no venture capital there it's not a choice yeah. uh, and i'm a big fan of traction i i do believe that in a way it's even better because if you're able to start selling and get a customer base then if you want to go talk to investors the valuation is going to look so different yeah uh, so i guess it's a combination of everything and in in my experience uh, I guess, as you were saying, that people just uh, tend to specialize. Uh, there are guys that specialize in contests, so they win awards mm -hmm. for being the best entrepreneur ever, even yeah. though they haven't sold the product. Uh, or there are other guys that specialized yeah. in, in, in incubators or in, in, in selling to, to angel investors or VCs. Yeah, it seems like like there is sometimes a self congratulatory, you know, people get together and and pat each other on the back and tell tell each other how great they are, but but you know, the, the, no customers in sight. And so yeah. So this this initiative that you started with the uh, you know 180 plus you know um, entrepreneurs, do you expect those people already to have established some sort of traction, or is it really going from concept to you know some sort of you know, product definition or, or so this is interesting. It sounds very early days what you what you do with them, but I'm I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have we have teams uh, that are doing, for example, a marketplaces with blockchain. Other guys mm. that are doing a future of food with nanotech. Uh, we have other guys that are literally doing marmalade. Uh, so it's a very broad yeah. no, type of of process. The other thing also is that we have guys uh, that are selling a little bit and others that literally in, started thinking about their project four weeks ago. Mm. Uh, so it's, a, it's very mixed. Uh, we have no idea how this is going to end. We're finishing the process by the end of the month. Uh, by then we're doing evaluations and we're going to divide them into, into basically four different groups. Uh, the guys that are not ready to move forward and then uh, the guys that are ready to move forward we're going to divide them into three teams uh, one that goes to investment the other one that goes to tech transfer and the other one that goes to acceleration uh, mm -hmm. i don't have the info but i i would say that it's very likely that most of them are not selling yet and the ones that are selling it at, at are still at a very early stage yeah so yeah. I'm I'm just curious with you know as I'm I'm sometimes involved in, in venture building. Yeah. Um, my belief is you should start talking to the customer as a, a potential customer for validation uh -huh. as quickly as possible. Yeah. Do, um, do you I guess agree with that or do you see there's a different sweet spot? Um, no no no. Uh, I mean what what you're saying is basically what we do every day. Um, we, we, 
one of the, the interesting things about the, the process that actually evolved from Fomento Geek uh, is that we, we have now, uh, we're working with a methodology called Evidence-Based Entrepreneurship and Lean Innovation. Mm -hmm. uh, this was developed uh, throughout, I don't know, the last 15 years or so uh, by guys from the National Innovation Network and people that have been doing a tech venture building all over the world, and uh, it is being used by by trainers from the World Inter Intellectual Property Organization, mm. Mm. Uh, and it 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 has been developed with uh, basically all the books that you've probably read from uh, Steve Blank, Eric Ries, yeah. uh, 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 the guys at MIT, uh, and I would say that the base of the process is lean startup. You, you need to get out of the building and go talk yeah, to people. Yeah. And uh, that is going to make you focus a lot more on, on what you really need to do. Uh, so uh, definitely you need to, to interview. The, the um, evidence-based uh -huh. seems a, um, a beautiful word. The... Uh -huh. My observation is oftentimes the, the, the ego can interfere yeah. with evidence, meaning <laughs> I believe Every this day of the week. I yeah. believe this this thing we're building is the coolest shit ever, you know? Yeah. And um, mm -hmm. um and it's and it's really hard for someone who's so passionate mm -hmm. in film land, you know, before we started recording it, I shared a little bit about my, my film hobby and passion and and I learned so much there, but like in, in there, there's a concept of kill your darlings. So, so if you're telling your story that there's something that maybe is, is completely so important to you because uh -huh. it reminds you of your pet cat or something, you want it in the story, but it has no purpose. It actually might even be distracting from the actual experience of the customer. Um, and, and, and I, I don't know, for me, I'm, I'm curious if you have an opinion there because on one hand, you need that passion of, I believe in this thing in this ego of I can, you know, whatever's there now sucks and I can do better, you know, so there, there is, there is, there must be ego yep. and there must be some sort of validation for the customer. So uh -huh. how do you, how do you balance that with people? That's a great question. One, one of the, the recipes that I found that works is having at least two people in the team mm. uh, with the same amount of ego. Mm-hmm and with a different view. Mm. So they can kill each other uh, and, and make a decision. Yeah. Uh, if you have a guy that is going on their own, uh, it's not gonna work. If you have a guy that has a very a, a strong opinion and a very big ego and, and they have a yes team, it's not gonna work. No. Uh, and, and you need to do that every day. I mean, uh, I've been doing this for more than 20 years and every week I do something stupid because of ego. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I guess it's just part of the process. But I'm, I'm very lucky because I work with people that are so much more intelligent than I am and that uh, are already yeah. know that when I'm doing something stupid, they can just, you know, uh, yell at me and, and, and I'm going to just get yeah. the, the, the message. So yeah. you, you definitely need that, yeah. Yeah, the, um, there's a beautiful model. <clears throat> it's an older book called E-Myth Revisited. I think it's probably eight, 1980s. It's actually a book about franchising. Um, the se mm -hmm. second half of the book is about franchising. So if you're not into franchise model, forget that. Um, mm -hmm. But the first half, it's really, it's, it's, it's really great wisdom 
and anecdotes about um, the entrepreneur. And so e-myth is the entrepreneur myth because, you know, at the time that the entrepreneur was this, this holy grail, this magic person who, you know, comes up with this brilliant thing. And, um, and, and the premise of the book is that's bullocks. You know, there, there's always multiple perspectives yeah. and the three personalities. There's one, there's the content expert. So, so the, the yeah. passionate expert. Then there's the gamesman. So the commercial, you know, make the thing happen without necessarily love for the content. And then yeah. there's the operator. So the efficiency person. And, yeah. and, and the, the argument there is, and I think if you do something on your own, somehow you have to balance that in your time and your head. But if you have, you know, because if, if there's only an expert, then that person will never sell or grow or even go efficient. They'll be looking at quality all the time. Mm-hmm. And if you're an operator, then you'll be organizing all the time. And if you're a gamesman, you won't have actually delivered anything. So it's uh-huh. that, that, yeah, E-Myth Revisited. I think it's a wonderful book. It's quite old, but it's, it's um, oh, thank you. Yeah, it was I'm, profound I'm gonna, for me. I'm going to look for it. Yeah, yeah, let me, uh, I, I can put all that also that in the, uh, uh, in the show notes. And I wrote down the evidence-based innovation because um, I'd love to find a link to that and, uh, and include that as well because it's... I'm going to send you yeah. information. So, so what we ended up doing is that we digitized everything. Uh, again, uh, following Peter's Diamandis recommendation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we developed a platform like eight years ago and, and right now we have version number five and it's called Canoe. And uh, it's just open uh, for the people to mm-hmm. use. Uh, we haven't even thought about the business model. Uh, we work with, with organizations and we charge them to open cohorts so that we can fund all the other guys that need to use mm-hmm. the platform and, and don't pay for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what you have there is uh, basically a new set of canvases that we work with the guys that developed the first ones, uh, like... Uh, Steve and Alex and all those guys and then uh, it's actually very exciting because it's the, the, as far as we know the only platform that has the EXO canvas digitized oh wow uh, okay and it's based on 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 interviews uh, and it has the mm. the IRL for example so that embedded in the platform which means that you do need to make the interviews in order to validate the hypothesis, and mm-hmm. once you validated them, then you can start advancing in the ERL. Uh, so again, coming to what you were saying about interviews, we, we definitely think that the market is the one that answers every question. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, then, and then have the bravery to do that. Um, mm-hmm. No, I love it. And, and, and it's a little bit related to the, the ebullient story because you know, I, have, I have chosen to do this myself. Um, um, simply because it's a, mostly a space of creativity for me. And that's why these podcasts are more of a discovery, joyful, playful creativity as opposed to monetized. Uh-huh. Um, and through my own learning and discovery and suffering, that's how I came up with the simplicity scan, yep. which was, which was it's a, essentially just a simple alignment tool with 15 questions. And what I've told myself is uh-huh. I will never get involved in an initiative until myself and the other leaders are able to come down to a single page with that canvas. Um, even if it's full of questions, okay. even if we agree, okay, mm-hmm. we don't know anything when there's 15 questions that are answering the question, that's fine. It, you know, that way, at least we know what we don't know. Um, exactly. and so far that, that is, um, that protects me from my own shiny object syndrome of just <laughs> chasing after people and trying to help them. So, um, so we've got a couple minutes left, but you just mentioned that, that you have, larger organizations, maybe corporates that are able to subscribe and, and bring cohorts into that system. 
Can you um, describe maybe who the perfect customer is for that? Because there's a, there's a, yeah. there's a whole international audience of mostly corporates, I think, <laughs> listening to this. So maybe, uh, maybe so some we've of those used people it would benefit with, from this. Uh, I would say with two types of organizations, a big private companies that want to do innovation, for example, uh, both services like the big fours, uh, the, the big four consulting firms, uh, we've used it with pharmaceutical companies uh, when they're doing corporate innovation and trying to develop a venture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've also used it, for example, in education. Uh, guys mm-hmm. studying innovation in MBAs, uh, universities that want to develop uh, spin-offs from research that, that their, their professors have been doing. Mm-hmm. So I would say those two, and in and, and those two different examples, uh, we work with all size uh, organizations you can think of, uh, small and big private or public universities and uh, mm-hmm. firms that have offices in 180 countries or, or just middle market. Okay. Well, let me, let me um, um, if you send me a link to that as well, and I'd, I'd yes. love to include that in, in the show notes. Yes. Um, no, outstanding. And uh, I guess one other question, I'll come back to you, I think, as an entrepreneur yourself. Um, how do you keep going? It sounds like because you have, I, I stopped counting the number of degrees you have from the number yeah. of countries and the number of initiatives that you've got your fingers on and the number of people that you're supporting and helping and inspiring. Um, uh, how, how do you maintain your own? Because you, you, you know, you're talking to me and, and, and you're glowing and you're, you're joyful about what you're doing. How, mm-hmm. how do you continue to energize and motivate? So uh, I'm really lucky because I have this kind of strange met- metabolism that just keeps me moving forward. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and also I would say that uh, for me, now I, I, because of the EXO framework, I have my personal MTP and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, is your pers- my, what, what is your personal MTP, if I can interrupt quickly? Empowering people for a better, for a better world. Okay, well, that uh, makes sense. And uh, basically what happened to me is that I, in a different phrasing, uh, but I found my purpose very early in life, and uh, it has been my driver, I would say. And then the other thing for me is that uh, my wife and my kids have supported all my craziness uh, throughout the years. And mm-hmm. I would say that's very important to me as well. And, mm-hmm. and with those two things in hand, I think you can change the world. So uh, I'm moving all, all the time mm-hmm. and, and working in different initiatives all the time. Uh, again, because I think that uh, the time that we have in this planet is like so little that mm. you you need to move quickly in order to make a difference. Wow. Move quickly in order to make a difference. Um, Pedro, this has been delightful. Um, sadly, we need to wrap Likewise. up. Um, if you, as the audience, go to ebullient.com slash uh, podcast slash Pedro Lopez Sela, um, you'll find the links to the video and the, uh, the podcast. Um, also, LinkedIn is the best way to get a hold of Pedro, and we'll have that link in the show notes as well. So, uh, Pedro, this has been delightful. Thank you so much for the time and the care and for everything you're doing. Thank you for having me, Chris. Learn more at ebullient.com slash podcast.